0: He's put a word in my heart for you this morning. And I really want you to open up your hearts. I'm going to stay very close to my notes. But I want you to look with me at a passage of Scripture in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29 and verse 2. And we're going to build off today. And I believe today you're going to be greatly blessed and touched by the hand of God. And from this day forward. And I'm so thankful that I get to celebrate in a house That's made up of so many different people from different colors and different walks of life and different nationalities, different ideas and dreams. I'm so thankful. I really love it when the house is mixed up. I love it when the age is here and I love it when the young is here and everyone in between. Because I believe it is a picture, first of all, of the family and the body of Christ. But I believe it's healthy. And I believe it's what our nation really is about. When we really look at it from the core. That everyone in here, despite of what your color is, despite of what your nationality is, we all have the same opportunity to flourish and to be happy and and to live peaceably. and, And to see the very best come out of everyone's life. So follow with me this morning, verse 2 of chapter 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Let's read it one more time. Matter of fact, just read it with me. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. I want to entitle this this morning, When the righteous rule. Can we say that together? When the righteous rule. Well, if that's the case, that when the righteous are ruling, the people are happy, then we have to ask the question, then who is the righteous? I don't necessarily believe that they possibly are Republican or Democrat or Unitarian or whatever party they are. The Bible says when the righteous are ruling, when the righteous are in authority, the people are rejoicing. So my question for you today, who is the righteous? I believe this passage of Scripture defines something for us. It tells us, first of all, there's no middle ground. I think that's something every one of us in this place, every believer, every child of God, every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room need to understand and know. First thing that we've got to recognize, there is a difference between what is right and what is wrong. There's a difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. There's a difference between good and there's a difference between evil. There's a difference between light and there's a difference between dark. And I want to bring a great revelation to you. Nowhere in the middle of that do you find a gray area that's acceptable. We are either one or the other. We are either a righteous nation or we're an unrighteous nation. We are either a righteous people or an unrighteous people. We are either a people of light or we're a people of darkness. There is no middle ground. Look at your neighbor and say, no middle ground. (coughs) We want to believe that in our present culture. We want to believe that in our present day. The sad note, that's not only the the ideology of the culture that is around us. It has become much of the culture of those that call themselves believers. That they believe there is a middle ground. But the truth and reality, listen to what I tell you. The truth and reality is there is no middle ground. Why did you call that truth and reality? Because the Bible is absolute truth. And the reality of how I live is around me, of what I see and what I feel and what I I know uh, around me. And a lot of people have decided, well, you know, nothing's going wrong. I'm happy right here, everything seems to be okay, it seems to be acceptable, the world is accepting it, so why shouldn't it be all right? So you and I have to understand something, even though the truth is, and the reality of it really is, there is no middle ground. So let's define righteousness. Righteousness is acting in accordance with divine and moral law. Free from guilt or sin. The state of being right with God. Righteousness isn't the term that the world uses. Righteousness was the term that God uses. And righteousness has to be established upon something. If not, every one of us will have our own idea of what righteousness is. I promise you we do. Every one of us have got an idea. You've accepted practices in your life that you have called. You know what? This is right for me. This is right for my home. This is right for my life. We've even embraced some of it as a nation. And and we're laying hold of it. And we're calling it right. And we're failing to see the consequences of what it is bringing about in our lives. See, if there's going to be righteousness, there has to be a standard. My question for you what is your standard of righteousness? What is your standard of righteousness? The reality, my, my heart this morning and my assignment, my job isn't to make you feel good necessarily. My job is to bring you to so that you know what God has established so that you and I can live it. And I believe there's something supernatural happens. We're all praying. We want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. But what would happen if a people of God, I we just heard the word of the Lord say, if my people who are called by me, my name would turn from their wicked ways he didn't say if those people that doesn't know him would turn from their wicked way he said if my people that know me turn from their wicked way wait a minute if God's saying something like that that's second chronicles chapter 7 14 then there must be some of his house that is still not living charlie according to his standard of righteousness You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Every way of man is right in his own eyes. We can all justify our actions. We can all justify our deeds. And really, when it really boils down to it, no matter how vile they may be, I want to justify the reason I can be here. The reason I do that, you know, it might be a feeling. You know, I'm going to touch some things today. It's not to attack anybody or any form. I believe I have a right to speak by the word of God. But it touched my home. And it took my brother early. And most of you that know my family know that I had a brother that lived in homosexuality for 10 years. He's next to my oldest brother. He died at the age of 41 A handsome young man. I'd have to say of all of us, I thought I was the most handsome of the family, but I'd put him probably too. But Tom seemed to have it everything going. Grew up in the church like all of us. Spirit filled. Loved God. Traveled the country with my oldest brother. They sang. They preached. They done camp meetings together. A very gifted, very talented man. At the age of 31, he said, I'm tired of this faith riot. And he turned to the world. Little did we know, he's been dead now for nearly 30 years. Little did we know that he was struggling with this thing on the inside of him calling called homosexuality. The reality was he had some of the most beautiful women on his arms all the time. It wasn't that he couldn't have anybody or there wasn't anybody interested in him. But there was something that was real. My point in saying all of that. These feelings are real. They may may be there and they seem to be real. But just because their reality does not make them God. Hello. Just like God spoke to you, He'll speak to you and say, every one of you are so valuable. And I promise you that many of you in this room will deal with an insecurity of some kind. Because you don't think that God wanted to form you the way you are. What if everything about you, I'm just saying what if. What if everything about you from your height to your weight to your skin color to your pigment color to all of these things. What if you were exactly the way God wanted you to be. But see, our culture pulls us into everything else and then a reality begins to show up. But I don't feel valuable. I don't feel worthy. I feel more like a mistake. See, it's a reality. The feeling is real. Please understand. But the truth of that is, it's God that created you for his purpose. It was God that made you for his heart. And when you get up of a morning, I believe God is looking at you. Oh, there's my baby. There's my lovely, there's my child. It's like when our grandchildren walk in the room, every one of them. I have to say this, Chad, I don't know where he's at. When, when Maverick was born, we were, in, we were in Atlanta. Of course, they come and let us hold Maverick and he's the most precious thing. But I feel that way with JC sitting back there. She's 13 now and she won't let me hold her like I do Maverick anymore. I don't know why, but she won't let me do it. But Chad said to me, Dad, and I know what he he was having fun and teasing with me. Dad, is he not your favorite? Is he not your favorite? I didn't answer that. I said, why you answer a foolish question like that? Because they're all my favorite. Every one of them. Every one of them are my favorite. But there's a reality. So if I'm not careful, what I feel because we're of a sinful nature and we're in a sinful world, then everything about us can be misconstrued, and every man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of a fool, one that is void of understanding, is right in his own eyes, but he who, heads, he who heeds counsel is wise." <coughs> All through the Bible, go look for yourself. I didn't have time to write every verse that I found. How many times do people turn from God out of doing things that were right in their own eyes? Setting up idols to everything imaginable. And the scripture would emphatically say, because every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I found something I didn't know. How many knows what the first commandment of the Satanic Bible is? Does anybody in this room know? I hope you don't. I hope you know what the first commandment of the Bible is. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But the first commandment of the Satanic Bible is simply this. Do as you will. That's the first commandment. No wonder no wonder when the serpent came and deceived Eve, he got he convinced her you don't have to pay attention to him. If it's good in your eyes and it's good for food and it's good to make one man wise, then you can do whatever you choose. May I tell you if we walk by our righteousness, we are greatly fooled. We are greatly a failure if we're walking by what we think is right in our eye continuously. Don't misunderstand anything. Isaiah quoted something like this in Isaiah 64, verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. I've read that. I've quoted that a million times, that all of us, that our righteousness is filthy rags. I was at a funeral yesterday I had to do for a family that doesn't have anything to do with this church church. I had to drive to Charleston to go do it. And I noticed, I didn't know the family. I was just asked to do it, to help the family. I did. I went, spent the morning with them. But I noticed a man that came in as I was waiting to be escorted in, that a man showed up late, to, was a friend evidently of the deceased. And I noticed something. He didn't come in, being in a suit and tie. Charlie, I thought he just looked like he had walked away. He had walked away from the garage he come in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes on and a, and a t-shirt with no sleeves on it. And What really caught my attention, that didn't really bother me anymore. It didn't bother me because that just seems like what everybody does in the day. But what caught me, Miss Judy, was his t-shirt was dirty. Or at least it was stained. And I had to look at him for a moment because I know he. it, it may have been the very best he had. I don't want to misjudge him. Because from the back, it was clean. But from the front of it, it was stained. So you and I could look and we could use this passage of Scripture and say, all of our righteousness is as a stained shirt where I spilt something on it, something from the outside of it that I spilt on it. But the meaning of this passage is much, much deeper and to keep, I don't want to be offensive, and, and, but, but I have to speak it. It actually talks, that word there actually talks of a menstrual flow of a woman. That it is that which comes out to that rag, if I could say it like that. That is so, that is so defiling and so defensive, so so offensive. So Paul, so the writer Isaiah prophesied, and he said this: that my, that my righteousness is as, as, as filthy rags. It's not what is outside that's messing with me. It's what's on the inside that's flowing out of me that causes me to be unrighteous. That's why he said, God looks on the heart. Are you okay? But I'm glad what Paul wrote. In, one, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul write, reads it like this. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And Paul was talking both about Jew and about Gentile as he was dealing here. None of us in our own ability are righteous because of our sinfulness, because of the fall of Adam. That unrighteous nature has failed upon every one of us so then who are the righteous I'm trying to answer the question because if there's a difference between righteous and unrighteous we have to understand Then who are righteous may I tell you who the righteous are or they are those who believe in and run to and adapt their lives to God and absolutely to his ways it's those who have believed on the Lord Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 8, he said, Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may grow, and that I may gain Christ and being found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Who are the righteous are those that are, that are fiercely pursuing Christ, those who are fiercely dedicating their life to Him, those who are passionately saying, Jesus is the Lord of my life, and He is who I give my life and my allegiance to. What did you say, think Paul meant when he said, I counted everything as lost? He didn't have a Cadillac. Nothing says he even had a chariot. He didn't have anything much as you and I. We're thinking about all that I have to give up. You know what Paul gave up? Paul was giving up his own right in his own way of what he had discovered through the law of what he thought. He said, I count it as loss that I can truly gain what righteousness he is. And notice the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ produces the power of resurrection in our life. When the righteous rule, the people are happy. There is a difference. There is a difference. Everybody say, when the righteous rule. So I hope I've made a difference. Matter of fact, Pastor preached on this last week. I'm not turning anything away. I got his notes. I found them. I got his notes. And he talked from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He defined transgression, has to cross the line to exceed the known limits. Iniquity and wickedness. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. I want to tell you something. You're not a sinner because you do bad stuff. You're a sinner because Adam sinned. And whether you might be the greatest person, the goodest person, is that a good word? Though you may be great and do wonderful things. See, that's the deception of unrighteousness. Because good people can do unrighteous things. Let me get my second point. i got to land this jet quickly. If the righteous are to rule, then we have to understand who the righteous are. Then if we're righteous, listen to what I'm going to tell you. We've got to live right. We've got to live right. Church, may I declare to us as the body of Christ, as the church of the living God. Jesus said, we are the light of the earth. The salt of the world. Jesus said through us, all men would come to know him. Jesus said we would be the standard by which the the world will be judged. If the church itself is not living righteous, if we the church aren't living right, then why should the world even look? Why would we even show up on a Sunday morning if our choosing to live unholy and unrighteous? See, God values freedom so much. Listen to this. If you've never heard this, it's not my original. But God values freedom so much that he gave you a will to choose how you want to live. That's how much God values freedom even if it means you will spend an eternity in hell, God said, I'll give you the right. There's nobody going to go to hell on count of God. Nobody's going to bust hell and spend eternity in hell because of Jesus. The only ones that are going to go to hell is because they have made up their mind and they have chose their own way and their own will that I choose to live this way that will wind me up there for eternity. See, there has to be a standard. If you're going to live right, listen, man, it's a good thing. Why do you think we got speed limits? Because some of you drive too slow. That's just it. You drive too slow. See, y'all think I've got the big foot. Y'all just got the light foot. (laughs) But just think about this. Why is there a stop sign down here? Why is there red lights? Sometimes I think they're just to annoy me and tick me off when I'm trying to get across town. (laughs) And they do do that. But the reality are they're trying to protect me. But they're not trying to just protect me, they're trying to protect you. Because there's maniacs out there like you that won't stop when I come to that corner. You won't give me the right of way. You will buzz right through it. See, you have to understand something. We don't have, we don't have a standard for no reason. God's trying to protect you. I, 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 mm. I, I'm I glad my people of color are in the room this morning. I don't know how to say those words, and I don't want to be offensive, but think about this. Even in the whole idea of the abortion issue, and everybody parades around that through the past, but do you realize that 25% of our black population was wiped out because of abortion? 25% was wiped out. And yet we want to vote for people that, that stand for it and believe in it, and it's wiping out a culture. And we think God is trying to keep us from. A, he's trying to keep us alive. He's trying to help us to be happy, to be full, to be blessed, to be peaceful. Twice certain things, He said, "In relationships, keep yourself pure. How many sexual transmitted diseases have been passed that have destroyed? Listen, my brother died with AIDS. And I promise you, you don't want that. I watched him go from this handsome young man that I never will forget. That I told Diane one day, I said, I feel like we need to go see Tom. He was in the hospital in California. We get our flights, we go out. My mom and dad are already out there because they've had to live out there to take care of him at 30-something years of age. We pull up to the hospital in a cab of where we come from the airport in San Francisco. When we pulled up, I noticed this little old man coming out of the the, uh, uh, hospital doors and could barely walk and he was holding on to the railing to go down. The next people out of the door were my mom and dad. That wasn't just some little old man. That was my brother. That AIDS had gotten a hold of him. And it was all in a moment of passion or moment of lust, whatever that moment was. Sometimes, listen, God sets patterns. He's not trying to keep you from being fulfilled. He's trying to protect you from that which will destroy you. Listen, it don't have to be AIDS. It can destroy you emotionally. It can destroy you how you will view life, how you will view everybody around you. I'm not trying to be heavy. I don't mean to be that way. I'm just trying to determine if we're going to have righteousness in rule, then we, the church, have to turn back to righteousness. Moms and dads, every individual in here, we've got to make up our mind. We're going to live right. Listen, there's no use witnessing to the guy on your job and you're living like hell. There's no use you come Come go to church with me and you're partying with them on Friday night. Hello, are you okay? There is a difference. There is a difference of right and wrong, of good and bad. We've become a culture that said, I made a mistake. And everything that we do now is mistakes. Well, I believe in mistakes. I make them quite often. But not every mistake has, a, has an eternal consequence. But there's a lot of things that we have made mistakes is nothing but sin. And we no longer know what sin is because it's just a mistake. I, I just couldn't help it. But sin simply means this, to miss the mark. My life isn't lining up the way God intended for me to live. Y'all look very quiet and look like you want to hurt me right now. But it's missing the mark. When you sin, there is a consequence. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. Let me share something with you. You may be doing it upon this earth, but you are sinning against the one that created you and gave his life for you. You and I need to understand something. I may have not just violated the love of my life, or I may have not done this. I sinned first and foremost against God. That's why God said, if my people, which are called by my name, would turn from their wicked ways. See, I just make mistakes. Well, act, you know, it's acceptable. What if you died right now? What if you died? Well, God's merciful. I heard pastor preaching on grace last week. You know what grace is? Grace is giving you another opportunity to get yourself in the right position before God, before judgment will come. I walked into a people that I didn't know yesterday and spoke, and here was the word that God gave me, and I always do this no matter where I'm at. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this... And after this, after this judgment, I got news for you. Everybody in this room is gonna go to heaven. You ought to rejoice in that. But I got bad news. Not everybody's gonna hang out and stay. But all of us are gonna stand before Jesus, and we're going to give an account for our life. I'm here to declare to you there is right and wrong, there is a standard. Can y'all give me just a few more moments? Deuteronomy. I know y'all going to shoot fireworks after a while. You'll be up all night, your dog barking and everything else going on. Deuteronomy chapter 6, when Israel come up out of Egypt, God said, I called you to be a holy people unto myself. God said, I called you to be holy. He gave them what we call the law or the Ten Commandments. You and I would think that's hard to live by. No, God was saying, I expect you to be different than all the people of the earth because I'm a holy God. I'm calling you to be a holy people. I'm expecting you to be other than. The sad note is our church world has become so much like the world. The world doesn't know how to find the church. And now we have to... I'm going to say something. Listen to me. Now we're depending on signs and wonders... To get their attention when the reality was it was you and I as we live was to get their attention. Oh, come on, somebody. What, what if God never opened another eye? What if, he never, what if he never healed another cancer patient? What if he never delivered? A, is there enough God in how you and I are living? Enough light that everywhere we go, people are convicted that we walked in the room. You want to talk about the old guys, the old revivalists? As much as they did miracles, they carried as much God with them when they would walk on a train and sit down. People would be convicted and bow on their knees crying out to God. They would go into factories to take tours, and the whole factory had to shut down. They didn't do a miracle. They just walked in the room, and the light of Jesus was so much on them. See, we're happening to let God do a sign and a wonder through me when Isaiah said in Isaiah 8, you and I were made to be a sign and a wonder. And now they're wondering what we are. Because I carried the tag, I got him tattooed on my arm, the fish is on the back of my car, and they're... Wait a minute, I, I know what that means. But I'm not living up to that, or I'm not... Aligning there, you okay? Deuteronomy chapter six verse four says, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God is one. The Lord, He is one Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Listen to this, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you walk in the house, when you lay down at night, when you get up." And you shall bind them upon you so much that you can't get away from it. Don't be deceived by a good deed. Just because everybody's doing it. Don't be deceived. Jesus said like this. If you that are evil know how to give good. If you that are evil know how to give good. Don't be deceived by good. Listen, if you and I are not careful, the enemy knows how to mess with you. Think about this. I'm not trying to be political, but I can't stay. I guess, well, just do it. He said, you see that tree? You eat that tree. It's go- Man, that tree is good. There's great fruit, and it's going to make you wiser, and you're going to be like God. So what does every politician under the sun do? They come and appeal to your need. They come and tell you, listen, I'll pay for your bill. I'll give you a free cell phone. I'll pay for your utilities. I'm gonna send you a stimulus check for you and your house every month. You'll not have to do anything. To all you young students, I'm gonna pay your way through college. I'm gonna remove all of your debt. And while they're making all of these promises of doing good, we don't realize the evil that is setting in the heart. But because we, you know, that sounds pretty good. And we, are you okay? We run to it. We grab it. Listen, I got a stimulus check. But I tell you, it ain't going to be my life source. It isn't going to be my life source. I'm not going to turn it away, but it ain't going to be my life source. God is our life source. Hello? Are you okay? If you that are evil know how to do good. In Trinidad, when we go there, you guys have been there. Charlie, you've been with me. Several of you have been over there. Man, the roads are terrible. Every politician tells them this. We're going to fix your roads. We're going to, you ought to ride on these roads. You think our roads in Cape are rough? There's a, I mean a sinkhole. I mean a cavern falls into the middle of the highway. They'll just go and put a barrier around it and everybody has to jockey for the other lane. And every politician comes along and they make a promise. We're going to pave your roads. We're going to make them like streets of gold. If you'll just vote for me. Why? Because they're appealing to the needs of your flesh. There's a standard church. Let me land the jet right here. Miss. Yeah, come. Everybody say, when the righteous rule. So there is a difference. When the righteous rule, the people are happy. And if they're righteous, then there's a way of living. Then here's my last thing. Then there is a position for righteousness. There's a position for righteousness. And that, first of all, starts with me. My position before God. Church, I want to ask you a question this morning. If the only Bible, the only witness is your life for Jesus, are you living with enough evidence that He's the Lord of your life? I'm not talking about a chain around your neck. I'm not talking about a fish on your car, a tattoo that you put on. I'm talking about you. Are you that passionate? Are you dedicated enough that everybody around you, whether you carried your Bible in, Are you done? Is there enough evidence in our lives? I never will forget. And I was a pastor. When I started pastoring years ago, and I worked for the power company, I was out on a line crew. And uh, when we got done through the day, I'd come in like everybody else. We'd go to the warehouse, and I'd have to go up to the office to get me some change, to get me a soda pop or whatever. And of course, I got to know everybody up there. And I remember sitting down one day at the office talking to one of the ladies and I said something because I had a meeting coming and I said I'd really like to invite you to such and such meeting and the quickest words out of her mouth was I didn't know you were a Christian boy that was convicting I thought there's not that much evidence Isn't there something about us? Should there not be something about us that gives witness to Jesus? If he said we are the light of the earth, listen, it starts with you and I. This is a grassroots effort. This is ground zero, and it starts with you and I. There's a position for me. I can't demand righteousness of my government if I'm not. I can't demand righteousness of those around me if I'm not. It's like, Dad, you're telling your son, Hey, son, you don't need to drink, and you're sitting there with an open tab on the table. Or telling him he shouldn't smoke, and you're blowing it as much as anybody. Please don't be offended if that's what you do. I'm just making a comment. We're, We're telling our children, don't do one thing. Son, you ought to live, right, Daddy? You don't even come to the house. You don't even lead them in prayer. Daddy, you don't even sit down with them. That leads me to the second point in this here of of righteousness has a position. It's us as a family. Do you realize the first family was Adam and Eve? I wonder where Eve got her information from. Because nothing tells us the story. It just gives us enough. But when the serpent deceived, she said, God has said. Well, I believe God no, no doubt possibly downloaded that, but it could have been something even greater because Adam was put to sleep. The woman was taken from him, and she was created for him and brought back to Adam. And now Adam had the, head, the responsibility of being the head of his house, and he would have to teach his family how the house would be governed. So, Dad, if you're not taking the lead, moms, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, what are we expecting with our children? Who would ever dreamed that we've reached this point that children seven and eight years of age, a little boy, says, Mom, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a girl. Is it okay if I wear a dress? Is it okay if I Change my name from Charlie to Charlene. And mom says, if that's what you feel like doing, do it. I want to tell you, that blood is going to be upon that mama and daddy. But our culture has said, we've let it slip into us so much. It starts with us. I appreciate every woman. Because without women, the church would be in trouble. Truly really true. Our Sunday school rooms are filled with, with women teachers. Our, most of our prayer warriors are women. I, I mean, thank God for you ladies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I have to say to the men, where are you? Why didn't we step up and take some of these positions? Why didn't we choose to take the lead? Instead of saying, Mama, I happen to get the kids up. I'm going to spank your butt. Boy, if you don't get out of this bed, we're going to church. Dad, that should have been sealed the night before. We're up, and we're going to be at church. Hello? I know. I'm old school, aren't I? No, I'm just bringing to you the word of the Lord. It starts with us. Starts in our family. Our family has to have values. And then last, I'm done, I promise. Starts in our community. We've got to be righteous in our community. Man, stuff slipping into our community. God's been speaking to me for a couple of years that we've got to start. The church has to govern our cities again. I'm meeting with pastors and I'm talking that to them and Some of them are looking at me like a calf Stirring at a new gate But I'm saying guys wait a minute Stuff is coming to our cities That should have never come Why are we not stepping up Again y'all think I'm on a tangent I'm not I'm not I promise you I've, I've stayed before the Lord But I got a magazine in the mail the other day From our community I guess the chamber puts it out once a month I noticed an article in the very back of it. It was an article that was, I can't even think of the guy's name that wrote it. But the agenda of some of the leadership in our community, we want Cape Girardeau to be an LGBTQ friendly community that they will want to come here. That that spirit will want to come and dwell and that it will be a safe place for them. So let me ask you, Are you and I going to sit back and just scream and holler at all the politicians? Are we going to rise up in this hour and say, wait a minute, this community belongs to me. And I don't want that paraded in front of my kids. I'm not saying I don't love the people. Don't misunderstand. Anybody is welcome in this house. Anyone is welcome in this house. But we don't have to embrace your sin. And I have to deal with it for where it is. I saw a thing, Pastor Parsley is in camp meeting. I was watching a little bit last night or Friday night. And uh, he had posted something or he put up on their screen, a third grade school teacher that was identifying neither as male or female. And that was teaching this to her children that they didn't have to identify. This is going on in our school systems. Moms and dads, are we going to set back and let our community be put in the hands of the unrighteous? Because you know what? I just don't have enough time. I just don't want to deal with it. I just When was the last time? I have to, I'm being honest with me. When did we go to the school board meetings? When did we go to the city council meetings? When did we go? How many of you are really paying attention? Wait a minute. Really had a serious talk with your teacher of your students, even our grandchildren. What are they being taught? It's time, church, that we've got to rise up. Some of you in this place need to be running for office. I, I'm i probably at some point, I'm going to tell you right now, because i I. I I don't know which it would be, but if there's a door and I can help fulfill it, I'm going to step up because I want to see my community. And I'm not going to just talk to you something. I'm going to try to lead you in something to see that our community is turned around for the Lord. starts with us. When the righteous rule, the people are happy. Don't tell me you're unqualified. Don't tell me you can't do it. The problem is we have gotten ourselves. I believe one of the strategies of the enemy is that he's gotten us all so, so involved. And so busy in everything under the sun. That we have lost what really is our priorities of life. And what is valuable. And when an opportunity, not I'm, I'm just too busy. It doesn't seem like it's that important because it's so disguised. And the enemy walks in our doors. He walks in our church. And we don't even realize the freedoms that we have. Canada is battling like crazy to keep the doors of churches open. Nations of the world are fighting. And the enemy... Is seen how far we can be pushed and what we can buy into. He showed us the last three years. If I can make you fearful enough, I can lock you down. I'll stop you. And I was one of them. Not again. Not as a church. Not again. We're not going to fear's a real deal. You know, Dutch, I don't know if you ever follow Dutch sheets, give them 15, you ought to. I was talking the other day, matter of fact, I understood they took it down, or at least I was told they did. The day that he talked about using food as a weapon all over the world to bring a shortage, to get people hungry. Why are all of a sudden Do our babies run out of food. Why all of a sudden, I've been to Trinidad and I've walked in there and seen shelves empty. But never at Walmart like I've seen here. To see where our favorite things that we can't always get. And who would ever think that we would have fights in Walmart over Charmin toilet paper. Of all things. Church, these are real deals that are happening. I noticed something last week. There are more trucks on the road than I've ever seen before. Matter of fact, you couldn't even hardly drive for trucks. And I'm not opposed. I got a trucker sitting back there. Thank you, Don, for carrying goods all over this nation for us. Making sure we got what we need. Thank you. Stays gone two weeks at a time on the road away from his wife and family. But there were so many out there, and yet we're struggling. Our stores are empty. We can't get goods. Roger, a car dealership over there. I'm studying, talking, we can't get automobiles. Why? We can't get parts. Why? Because we can't get it manufactured. Why? We can't get help. All these things are happening. Is it by chance Or is these strategies of the forces of darkness to lock us, to bind us up, to put us in fear? Or are we the people of God on this Independence Weekend going to take a look at where we are and say, I'm going to choose to stand for righteousness. And I'm going to choose to promote righteousness in my family. And I'm going to promote righteousness in my community. I'm no longer going to sit back, but I'm going to be a voice. I'm not talking about screaming and hollering. I don't think picketing and walking the streets get anything done. But I do believe that we can go and get ourselves positioned properly and we can make a difference in the world of which we live. When the righteous rule. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I thank you, God, that your desire for us is far greater than what we can even imagine and what we realize. And I pray, God, right now, today, that each of us would take a good look into our lives of where we are and who we are.